This is a Dece World production in association with Pants Pending Studios. They're not PC So if occasional foul language turns you off Then you have all been warned This is the call before the storm I'm like Jesus with better abs Get ready for the social hour Live from Dece World Studios in Spokane, Washington this is the social hour on today's show from the ex-wife podcast justin and alicia and now your host his mutant power is never being able to convince someone to marry him discasius Malab Keen, everyone, welcome to the show. This is The Social Hour. I am Deese. Thanks for coming around, guys. Uh, we have a great show planned for you today. As always, uh, this week we have Alicia and Justin from the Ex-Wife Podcast. You've heard him here before. You can hear him on their show, the Ex-Wife Podcast. New episodes every Friday. You can follow him on Instagram, Facebook, uh, and their website, and more. They've been on the show before. Uh, X as in X-Men. Marvel Universe, comic book stuff, not ex-wife, former lover. Uh, there's the ex-wife podcast. They get together and talk about uh, their love for the X-Men, or Justin tries to convince Alicia to love the X-Men, and he's been pretty successful. Uh, like I said, we've had him on before, so I wanted to have him on again. I've been catching up on the uh, X-Men comic books, the universe, what's going on, and kind of a modern uh, Jonathan Hickman run, if anyone is familiar with those books. Uh, and if you're not a comic book fan, probably just tune out now. We just talk about the X-Men for like an hour and a half. So uh, it is fun, though, and they have a fun podcast. They're uh, great people. I love talking to them. So make sure and check that out. Uh, also, guys, uh, while you're hearing this, I am probably out of the country. I'm on the run from the feds. It's been crazy. I'm on the lam. Send me money. Uh, you got to transfer it through the Cayman Islands. Uh, someone named Danny Garcia will help you out. Just uh, go twice from the bushes and he'll know what to do. No, guys, I'm hanging out. I'm in uh, Costa Rica as we speak, uh, doing a little business, uh, legal stuff. Don't worry. I can't talk about it though. <laughs> uh, statutes of limitations illegal in costa rica america fucking who knows you know it's crazy over there i can't even go get a fucking stromboli without showing my papers like it's nazi germany and i'm trying to just uh live it up man so i'm hanging out in costa rica doing some stuff uh so as you know this show has gone bi-weekly for a little bit we may have some you may get something every week you may not but chances are bi-weekly i'm just uh out of service, busy doing stuff, but uh, keep following us. You'll get new material regularly, and also go to deescomedy.com. Check out; I got lots of dates coming up. I'll be in Texas starting February nineteenth at Outfit Brewing in Dallas, Texas, and all over Texas, and then uh, hitting the East Coast, the South, South Carolina, North Carolina, Tennessee. 
uh, Virginia, Pennsylvania. I don't know what the east, where does the east stop and the south begin? Is it where, is it the slavery thing? It's always race in America, isn't it? Is it when we, when the, is it when you get to the states where they're like, yeah, we can still whip people. That's fine. Is that it? I don't know. I say the east, and I say I'm going to North Carolina. It's like it's on the coast, but it's kind of south. I don't fucking know, man. Anyway, I'll be over there. Check out the dates. Uh, that's it, guys. Uh, I'm going to get into it with our guests. Please welcome to the show, back to the show, Alicia and Justin from the Ex-Wife Podcast. Our guest this week, uh, you've heard him on here before. You've heard him on their uh, weekly show, new episodes every Friday of the Ex-Wife Podcast. Uh, Justin and Alicia, what's up, guys? How you, or is it Alicia and Justin? Who gets top billing? Ooh. Uh, Ooh, I think it depends. <laughs> she introduces herself first on the show. So it's Alicia and Justin, alphabetical order. I'm first. first. There you go. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Alphabetical order just makes sense. So, alpha, right? Alicia, there you go. Takes the guesswork out of it. I don't have to look like a bad guy. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm first. I'm first. <laughs> I'm glad we figured that out finally. We America's been dying to know who gets top bill yeah. on the ex-wife podcast. So, <laughs> uh, welcome back to the show, uh, guys. We appreciate you being here. It is. Uh, I wanted to talk to you guys again because last time we talked, I was well behind on the books um, and more of a classic X-Men guy. I've been trying to catch up, and I'm finally basically up to current reading. I, I've, I, I, I haven't read, um, I'll be honest, I haven't read Trial of Magneto yet. Um, that's, that's okay. That's okay. You're not missing much. Okay. I, <laughs> Yeah, uh, I did. You know, I, I did read Inferno and I'm kind of there's a couple of the titles I, I maybe am a few issues behind on, like the last month or two, but mostly through the Hellfire Gala and Inferno and kind of up to that uh, point of the basically the kind of the relaunch of X-Men. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Inferno's the big one. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you, let's recap for anyone who hasn't uh, isn't familiar with your show. Um, Justin, you were an X-Men fan or kind of a comic book fan, not necessarily a classic X-Men guy as much, but definitely a fan of the new ones more. Is that right, if I'm remembering that correctly? So I had been a diehard X-Men fan for most of my life, and then because of the new Krakoan era, got back into going to a shop every week. Got it. Okay, that's right. This was after after a number of years off just because of college and, and life and yeah uh, trying to be cool trying to be cool you know trying to get chicks <laughs> yeah now i got yeah, one got so one i can now. go back into my nerd stuff <laughs> yeah you know you can just be yourself now <laughs> right right i can relax i can be cool because i'm not cool <laughs> you're so cool <laughs> uh, and then so yeah i i've read most of the classic continuity so okay actually yeah. before the house of x and powers of 10 launch i had just about finished a, a reread of the entire Claremont's run and all of the tie-ins and, and spin-off books and miniseries and everything that that encompassed. So it was just one giant lot. narrative swimming around in my head. And then they announced this big next big thing and I was really excited. So I dove into that. I thought, oh, I'll go, I'll get the first one. And then maybe in a couple of weeks, I'll get the next couple. And I was there every Wednesday I quickly just became that. what they call a Wednesday warrior, and I was just every every Wednesday I'm there at the shop. Yeah, it, it can suck you back in quick. Uh, that's that's for sure. So, did you? Now you were a Claremont guy, and then came back for this era. Have you read any of the stuff in between Claremont and uh, Hickman? Then any of that? Oh yeah. Okay. Um, so I collected 
Grant Morrison's line and their work and a number of others around that time. Uh, I was kind of really into Ultimate X-Men at the time when it was coming out. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Extreme X-Men at the time. I think that was all kind of around the same time. Yep, all around 2001. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then I probably probably got out around 2005, 2006, and then have slowly over the last couple of years just read some random runs here and there, some non-X-Men stuff. I just binged the new Daredevil run the other day. That was really great. Okay. I haven't uh, read that yet, but I've been meaning – I've heard a lot of great things. I just went back and reread uh, Bendis' entire run, which nice. is – Phenomenal, in my opinion, just complete, uh, just gold as far as comic book. Yeah. I think it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it, it's been really great to just see all the different highlights that people call out and trying to balance that with some of the ones that aren't at the top of the list. Sure. So I still got some some top picks later on. Yeah. Well, I if I may if I may make a suggestion, and I don't know if you've read this uh, any of this stuff, <coughs> but I it was I'm trying to even remember when this would have been around um probably uh i don't know maybe 2007 2008 2000 something like that um when brubaker was on uncanny x-men uh, ed brubaker mm -hmm. was writing uncanny x-men and mike carey was writing uh ad adjective list x-men uh that i think that era is really 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 good if you haven't read it i highly suggest it um i, I think it was kind of the lead into the messiah complex time frame and then a little bit after that there's some really great that that's a phenomenal era that kind of gets glossed over i think so i read messiah complex as one of those highlights <coughs> to pick out in in closing that gap of continuity and read a little bit before and a little bit after to just kind of get the full effect and yeah that was that was really fun i would love to to dive into the fuller run of that era yeah yeah both those guys um to me there's that's the most the X-Men have felt like the X-Men besides like Claremont or maybe some of Lobdell's era. Um, mm. So if in, in the last, basically since, since Claremont left, some Lobdell was similar. And then, you know, uh, the Ed Brubaker and, and Carrie on the books is the only time it's really felt like vintage X-Men to me. Mm -hmm. So, mm. nice. um, but uh, yeah, so, uh, but we're here, we're here to mostly talk about, the modern books uh what's happening now and uh like i said i'm all caught up or mostly caught up as we discussed and man there's a lot to a lot to chew on a lot to talk about <laughs> just a little yeah. yeah so um i don't know where do we even start where do we even start the so you you've you kind of got back in and you were you were kind of instantly hooked you guys and then you you brought you brought alicia on and now she's sucked into uh to this yep. as well um so and you really enjoyed this era kind of right off the bat, correct? I was addicted to House of X and Powers of Ten. I was all okay. about it. I, I was there week to week. I think it was started in July of 2019. Uh, I think it was around House of X number two where I read it. That was the Moira issue. Yeah. I was like, this is this is a game changer. And they had hyped it up to be like one of the, the seminal moments of X-Men history which I always take with a grain of salt, you know, whenever sure. marketing is trying to throw all those buzzwords at you, that this will change your life, dear reader. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and I, I tried to get her to read that issue. And, and I think, I think I, I tried to get her to read house of X number one. She's like, ah, no. And then, so a year later in 2020, when we were looking for a project, she was looking for a, a podcast yes. to do and had been working with a friend 
put something together. I just was like, hey, what if I what if I explained X-Men to you and you reacted and you just looked at pictures and then, you you know, you ask questions and she was like, all right, yeah, let's do it. And then I finally started reading House of X and Powers of Ten and then I went down a rabbit hole and then now I've never turned back. Yeah, and it was all kind of layered in a elaborate scheme that I had developed of, okay, well, I'll bring her in and then I'll buy her the book for a present. It also checked off a lot of great anniversary, Christmas, oh, birthday yeah. gifts. Yeah, it's a clever ploy, really. It works in a lot of angles. <laughs> yeah. Covered but, all my bases. <laughs> now, Alicia, have you gone back and read much of the past books, too, to catch up or kind of fill in any blanks for yourself, or is it mostly just new stuff? I've read mostly the new stuff. We've gone back and talked about a handful of past stuff in in episodes of what Justin calls my ex-education, ex-ed. So, <laughs> you know, like, we'll go back and talk about a storyline. Um, we're leading up to actually talking about the original Inferno. It's going to be oh, yeah. new on our list. So we just did, like, some Moira back stuff, some magic back stuff. We, I've done, um, oh, sorry, not Moira, Madeline back stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we did Days of Future Past. We did... Um... Yeah, so it, it kind of started... So so season one, I always like to think of as House of X, Powers of Ten. Mm-hmm. And then season two kicked off with the seminal moments, the things that Marvel was calling House of X and Powers of Ten the, the next step of. Okay, yeah. So I used that as like a framework. All right, we went to X-Men number one in 1963. We went to Giant Size X-Men in 1975. Adjectiveless X-Men in 1991, which I called out the fact that it sidesteps the entire Claremont run. And uh, because of that kind of did a deeper dive into some key titles that gave the the groundwork for the spinoff titles, the six starting spinoff titles from yeah. Hox Pox. But there's not a lot that I've actually like sat and read outside of the, the current stuff, but mm-hmm. I have read the whole current and, and you have read, so we're in a book club. Yes. And because of that, you've read a handful of random ones. Yeah, like, like as, Phalanx Covenant, X-Men Red. Okay. As Guardian Wars. Yeah. So. Uh, Phalanx Covenant, know. I would say, in under one of the underrated crossovers. Um, I, yeah, yeah I really enjoyed that. Yeah, that's what I really enjoy. And also uh, uh, produced uh, one of the most, I think, underrated X-Men titles of all time in Generation X. Uh, Scott oh, yeah. Lundell and Chris Bacalo's run on that was just... I think killer. I mean, it just—it was just very unconventional as an X Men book, it, it, and people didn't really know what to do with it at the time. But um, it, I mean, going back and reading it, that thing still holds up a lot. I think. Yeah, and introduced a lot of really great characters that are still active, and some more so than others, and some we'd like to see a little bit more of, sure. But uh, especially this last year, have been great for for Sync in particular, yep. and. Yeah, uh, hopefully Monet in the next year. We'll see. Hopefully yeah. Monet. There's been some Mondo in New Mutants. Yeah. A little, not enough Chamber in my life, though. I can say that uh, he's one of my favorites. I don't get enough of that. So, love me some Jono. <laughs> um, so now, um, now that Hickman has left the books. Um, and obviously, that stamp of kind of what he created is still there, which is kind of an odd place for them to be because you know he created you know his contract with marvel is i have to he has to create new things so he can't just be on a book long term anymore which is kind of unfortunate um you know he he can create create this large framework and then be around for like two years and then he has to he's forced to go uh i I guess i think the rumors he's going to do spider-man now is pretty much all but confirmed so um 
cool. Yeah, so I mean, which which is good, I guess, for Spider-Man fans or if you like if you like Hickman, but also kind of uh, I feel like a lot was left on the table with this uh, reboot, and um, there's a lot of things that were. Gently, just like the ideas were put out there and never fully Touch. fleshed out, you know? Yeah. Well, we we got the opportunity to talk to Benjamin Percy, and he basically told us that there's like they have the next three years planned out. And so like all those little seeds, yeah. they're not just going away because Hickman is leaving. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who knows like how they'll turn out, if they'll be exactly what he envisioned when we get to that point. But they definitely have a collaborative nature still, and they have like that journey for the character still in mind and still on the forefront of the planning. So just because he's not going to be there, I think we'll hopefully still see the things that we want to see, or at least some of them. Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, and there was an interview with Hickman saying, you know, there's nothing that I'm taking with me. There's nothing that I pitched that I like, this is off limits they marvel owns this pitch owns the full idea to do with whatever they want and it's just now expanded into and this was always part of the conversation you know he had the idea in mind that it was going to be maybe three years but the idea was it could also span a new era that could go on for however long people are interested in however long and that's audiences and that's creators as well the fact that the ex writers, the ex office, they all wanted to continue to play in this world that they had helped develop and, and really expand in. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Um, it's funny. You mentioned Benjamin Percy actually had him on my show a while back also. And we got to talk about yeah. kind of what's going on and it was, uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting to hear from a guy who I think is, uh, probably one of the better writers in that, in that group of, of ex writers, I would say, um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, kind of what's going to happen moving forward, because, you know, they do still. Yeah, they have the ability to kind of touch on all these things. But, God, I guess I guess it just felt like there was all these opportunities that were really, really missed along the way. Um, And um, I mean, you can tell where Hickman wanted to go, you know, kind of his his initial story. Um, Having read it all now, I have to say it feels like. very bloated i will say that like the line feels very bloated and not that the i mean the x-men line is always bloated you know there's always excess um did you ever have the feeling too that when you read a book like you miss the first three pages weren't in the book you know yes like you're like this is this is and you're like going back and reading issue 12 and then reading 13 and be like i didn't did i miss did they not put pages in this book or something (laughs) (laughs) like that that's why I always was grateful for those little like blurbs on the title page that yeah. are just like, here's what's going on. <laughs> which, just like focus your attention right here for a second. Which I had never read until she started reading them and telling me, oh, yeah, that was in the title box, the blurb. I, I just figured, you know, I, I read the last issue. I probably read yeah. it a couple of times. And so I know where I'm at with this story. No, uh, you read everything. There's there's some decent information in them. Yeah, there. I have a hard time. um reading all of those i'll try and kind of skim them and i'm like oh yeah this is i don't know how much of this i actually need to absorb uh but it, it also feels like a lot of uh it almost feels like a cop-out for, as from a writer's point of view like you know it's like are we putting this into a comic book or are we putting this into uh like your weird novella 
You're, you're right. Well, when you, when you think about the the title summary versus like data pages and the amount of information that that can bring up yeah. and, and yeah. expose and, and the complete or or somewhat complete removal of the the visual images that are textbook to comic books. Yeah. Yeah, it can be a little yeah. bit jarring and make it um, more clinical, I guess. It just becomes more. Some of, yeah. Some of those, like all in Ten of Swords, like hardest, every data, data page that is like, we're going to depict for you the civilization of every different world, like realm of other worlds. And we're going to tell you every detail about them. I'm pretty sure like sometimes I like read them and then I actually stopped computing what was happening. And I was just staring at the page <laughs> for a little bit. And then I would finish the page and I'd be like, do I need to know that? Yeah. Well, <laughs> no. Okay. Move on. Um, it's funny. you. So you mentioned uh, uh, X of Swords and or Ten of Swords. I don't know how they pronounce it. Ten of Swords or X of Swords. I don't. So it goes back and forth. There's some that, you, you know, you look at uh, the, the new title that just came out. It's Ten Lives of Wolverine and X Deaths of Wolverine. But they'll. They'll just put the X, like right. you decide. Yeah, Is it you, Reign of Ten you, or Reign of X? Yeah, it you, could be both. You figure it out. Uh, right. <laughs> um, that, that crossover, um, there was, it was a toy. I had so much. I actually got through the first half of the X titles like four months ago, and it took me months to bring myself to start a 22-part crossover. <laughs> you too, Alicia? Same. Yeah, exact same thing with same. her. I she, like, burned through everything was like all right yeah this 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 and just the just the size and the intimidation of ten of swords just staring at her yeah it was, was like i don't know about this <laughs> what how did you guys fall on that one because for for me i uh it was like 17 issues of them collecting swords that most of them never even used uh <laughs> Which was a lot. And, you know, in the end, like, in the end, like, two, only two of them, I think, actually used the sword. They, like, I think Psylocke used the Starlight Sword and Cable used the sword sword, like, actual, yeah. the physical sword yeah. place. And uh, Gorgon. Yeah. Gorgon used his, too. And that was that was probably one of the highlights, just him and the, uh, the White Knight, the white, I think, was the, white, the... Yeah, White Death or White Warrior, white so Death. something like that. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Um yeah, so I mean, it was like a lot of buildup, and I kept going. I'm like, when I'm like, you know, literally like 14 parts into this crossover, going, when does this actually start? Right. You right. know. Yeah, uh, I would agree to your your previous point about bloat that 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 hits uh, one of the the top offenders on my list. <laughs> I I enjoyed the beginning of Ten of Swords, especially so I was reading it week to week i was reading sure, it sure yeah single issues and i feel like there's a different experience because i i binge read it the second time i just read the full event as an event and i actually enjoyed it a lot more because i think there was somewhere around the middle with the the dinner party and the the big twist that i felt really disappointed in those two weeks and they were two weeks back to back and i was like ah oh, man am i just completely out on this but when you read it sandwiched between some of the other stuff they're like okay I can I can burn through these couple of issues that I'm not fully enjoying and get to the goods of the ending and the final battles and what this all means for the line going forward. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure I had to we had something and I like basically procrastinated until like the last second and I had to read like all of them <laughs> very quickly. So they 
kind of washed over me as being individual issues and it was just like a blur of information. So I, I enjoyed it because I put it all just like in my brain in like two sittings, I think. But I also kind of left it and was like, wait, the what happened? Yeah. What? <laughs> Why did it happen? Yeah. Yeah. Apocalypse. What was the purpose? Okay. Apocalypse is, has his, moved on from us now. That's family. what we got. Yeah. It, there's a lot of times where these big things happen in these books and I'm, I'm reading them and they're happening. And I have the same thing, Alicia, where at the end I'm like, I'm not sure why this is happening. Like, I'm not sure what the stakes are mm-hmm. here or like what 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 forced this hand to be to create. Like, it's a situation that we got into, but why or how or, you know, what uh, it doesn't seem necessary. Um, it's an interesting like, you know, and there's been hints in some of the more recent books about like how Apocalypse could come back and so you're like okay he had to go we had to go through all of this so that he could go be with his family so that something could happen later but am i going to remember that that happened by the time it comes back yeah and and even i don't think so hickman co-wrote the main event with teeny howard yeah right and so it's seeded in house of x and powers of 10 there's the the seeds of this in both the splitting of Okara into Arako and Krakoa, but then also in one of the lives of Moira where you see the four original horsemen. So like the the plot of this potential was there. It's just Teeny was kind of leading towards that with some of the stuff that she was doing in Excalibur. Yeah. And it seemed like, okay, now's the time. I, I The thing that comes from Ten of Swords that I, I really appreciate and I think we'll continue to be a wellspring of ideas is just Arako and mm-hmm. all of the countless mutants that you could just create from that, the society that you could continue to pull back from that, because that was still in, in all of the writers kind of talk of it in this way of the expansion, right? Mm-hmm. We're not breaking anything. We're just building more and more stuff. Yeah. And that I feel like Ten of Swords really built out a lot of stuff between Otherworld, yeah. between Arako, between just the Iraqi mutants and Amenth and, and what all that could potentially mean and, and how that could intertwine with the knowledge of our mutants and a future relationship for storm and death. Yeah. yeah. And for Bay and Doug. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the end result was there were some interesting end results because yeah, the expansion of Araco, all the, all the mutants potential there, um, you know, their kind of, desire to not necessarily live the same way, you know, under the government, under the laws of Krakoa and what that could right, mean. Yeah. Cause you, you know, right now you have essentially all the mutants under one, under one roof and kind of living of one accord. Um, so now you have a whole other Island that's not doing that and what yeah. that means. Um, and potential that, kind of civil war conflict. That, uh, that issue of X-Men that was just kind of Iska, the unbeaten on the Island. It's like, and, and, they are your pets or they, they yeah. are uh, <laughs> like, they're just men. Yeah. They're just, there's nothing special about them. They're just men. <laughs> yeah. That, that I think could be, that could be interesting down the road. If, uh, um, hopefully they explore it though. I feel like all the best parts of these that have, that have happened have been left unexplored so far. And you, part of it is, I think the murkiness of the, of the bloat of the, line is that there's so much going on but also like not a lot going on sometimes Mm -hmm. which seems which is which is unfortunate um 
and the, they're they're trying to create such a large scale story that kind of you almost have to read everything to get that they're kind of not focusing on anything. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, it feels like they're saving what they have. These big ideas, these big kernels, and they're gonna—they're trying to milk it to get there. You know, they, yeah, they want yeah. to, and and I say that enjoying a lot of the individual titles. That yes, they they don't feel anywhere near on the same level as some of the events or some of like the the Hickman led House of X Powers of Ten, even Inferno, even you know Ten of Swords for for what it did. Uh, they just don't have that much impact on anything outside of the individual characters in their books. And and is that unusual for an individual book? I don't think so, but I think a lot of readers are looking at it less so this one title or this other title, but as a full line. Yeah. And that that's something that I've really enjoyed about it. Yeah, I've 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 tried to I guess I'm having I was having a hard time. I was thinking about it the other day cuz I was kind of comparing uh I guess, like, say, early 90s X-Men when there was a ton of, you know, basically an expansion, there were a ton of titles coming out. You know, you had Mm -hmm. X-Factor, X-Force, two X-Men titles, Excalibur, um, you know, and things like that. So, you know, Cable, Wolverine, et cetera. You had a lot of books to to read. Um, But I also was, I started to think that those books felt like they had more of an an individual identity that you could, you could read just one and enjoy it or you can read all of them and get a thicker tapestry um mm-hmm. and and it almost seems like now if i don't read one thing i'm it can it can kind of throw off the rest of it and that makes it a little a little a little tough i wish there was more of a through line with each title while also still having some cohesiveness does that make sense yes totally yeah, yeah. It, and and i feel like that maybe the intent of like, you know, you don't have to read all the titles, but if you read all the titles, this is one bigger story. Yeah. But I totally agree with what you're saying. Outside of crossover events, the individual titles of the nineties had very much so their own identity and were doing their own thing. We're not to, to almost to a detriment at times where they weren't worried about what was going on in another book. You know, it doesn't matter that that character just appeared over here and changed in some way. They're here in this issue because this writer wants to do something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it is. I I mean, I I like the I do love the scope of it and the idea that like um, they want to try to do this grand thing. I just, um, you know, I I, I keep saying it, but man, I feel like a lot of these ideas they're putting out there are just going nowhere. And the um, the like, I can't wait for them to address the idea that they are that they can just be reborn at any time. You know, they touched on it briefly in Way of X and then that book, you know, just I'm not sure. Again, I'm no, no one knows if these things were meant to be a miniseries or supposed to be an ongoing and they just were shit sales. So they're like, oh, it's just a mini the whole time. Uh, right. you know? Secret mini. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. Well, oh, go ahead. Um, to, that, to the point of resurrection, the new X-Men title by Jerry is at least hinting towards and starting to address some of that. And when, and and this is kind of the, the double-edged sword, right? You want this, I'd like this to continue on. You know, I don't want them to to end the Krakoan era yeah. after two or three years and then have to try and come up with something else that gets you excited in a different way. Yeah. They, so it's like a, a balance of what do you hold back and, and tease and, and build towards? And what do you have in the, in the in-between? I feel like the questions that, Jerry has been asking, especially in the last couple of issues of X-Men, really bring back that interest, bring back that excitement about 
resurrection and, and what the questions are around that. Yeah, that's the that's the big one I want to see because it's I as a reader, um, it's I find myself having more difficulty being invested in the book or in the characters, just knowing that like a couple of them are probably going to die this issue and then next issue they'll just be back. And yeah. um, I just want to, you know, it just, there's not, I, I mean, I may have said this last time we talked, but like, I feel like there's no stakes, you know, Yeah. at least with the other world, you know, the X of swords, there was like the other world you could die and you're going to come back different, you know, like rock slide. Or I think there's one other character who came back different. Um, so it's like, yeah, go, yeah. Um, so, at least there was that, but you know, there's just not that weight of like, you know, it's like, yeah, just keep throwing bodies at it until. <laughs> you right. Know, it's you know, a, even, even in, I think the, was the first issue of Inferno when they just kept on throwing Wolverines yeah. at the oh, yeah. orchestra yeah. station. And yeah. I, I, it's, it's interesting because what did death ever really mean in comics? Otherwise, you know, you'd have a death of Wolverine every so every marquee character has a death every so many years yeah. and then they come back. But now it's almost trivialized to the point where it's, it's supposed to take that off the table as a stake. Yeah. Well, every so many years is different than every other issue. Yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah. Like, sure. so I feel it's, it's interesting too, because they, they do address it and talk about it a little bit in the comics, the idea of the characters themselves, not fearing death and not being afraid of anything. So that changes their mindset and it changes how they approach things. And I think a lot of what they're trying to build are like internal stakes Hmm. and, um, you know, interactions between the characters themselves and how their relationships are forming those conflicts versus outside sources forming their conflicts for them. So that always is sort of is that as interesting or is that as epic of a battle than yeah. you know a monster or an evil villain you know you have all your evil villains quote unquote working on your team which you know that kind of opens up space for new stakes to emerge right mm-hmm. so you have the humans really stepping up their game beyond just sentinel robots with orcus and with what that's leading towards and you have the the subterfuge and, and the backstabbing of mutants that are on Krakoa but are operating for their own terms or being blackmailed or uh, and I feel like has th- those things have potential and we've only seen like a little bit I, I remember when we talked last time um, we, I, I said something about you know like mutants stabbing each other's backs or, or kind of the the breakings of that fold and and or I think you said that and I was like oh well it's already starting to because I was talking about Hellions yeah and uh, Hellions. with with Arcade and and, and mastermind and what was already starting to slip away under sinister. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if, you know, we'll talk about Inferno here in a few minutes, I'm sure, but the, you know, what the results of Inferno and the, the idea that like these, these mutants are know of each other's backstabbings and uh, like betrayals. And then they still just, just hang out with each other and be fine the next day. And it's, right. it's it kind of blows my mind. I'm like, there's no, there's no like, hey man, that was pretty shitty that you tried to kill my girlfriend. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you know, like, and like we're just still gonna, you know, drink at the Green Lagoon or whatever it's called and have a, you know, vote on the Quiet Council. It's like it feels like there should be more of a pressure cooker situation more happening instead of they're just kind of like, well, back to back to status quo. Uh, 
I feel like the biggest offender of that is Mr. Sinister. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah, and Mr. Sinister. And then now I don't know if you've read the first issue of 10 lives of Wolverine that came out last week. I have not read it yet. I got it. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to read it yet. Okay. Well, uh, that brings together some plots that had been building through mm. Wolverine and X-Force and a particular character that has the potential to cause some wrinkles. Interesting. Okay. Uh, I'll have to, uh, I, I do, I am looking forward to reading that. I, I, and we're going to talk about individual titles here soon, but uh, Wolverine has definitely been a, a highlight for me. I feel like in, in, in the titles overall, I feel like it's had the most straightforward through line. Um, kind of, yeah. kind that of one title. feels like it could, it could be one of the ones that you could read just Wolverine. Yeah. You might have to read Wolverine and X-Force but you could get away with just following that one story a little bit more than because he's a loner. Yeah. Right? He's just uh, out there <laughs> just doing his thing. Um, yeah. So it's, it's just been, Oh man, I don't know. I, I am. Um, it's, it's difficult. Cause I want to, I do want to love this era, but I'm still struggling with it. If I'm being honest, I really am not. Um, uh, here's here's the way. I, and I might've said this last time. I don't know if I said this cause I don't, I hadn't really read much yet. But I said this to someone else recently when I was talking about it. It's like Grant Morrison's run um, where I really, really loved the like the really great stories. I feel like they're not really great X-Men stories, if that makes sense. Like it, they they're they're really well crafted, uh, interesting stories. They're great comic book writing. It's an interesting tale, but um, they don't feel like the actual characters you know uh it doesn't feel like like the soul of the x-men isn't there in these in these eras to me um i think morrison really started the deconstruction of the x-men and um it's kind of stayed a lot like that and i think hickman really built on those things that you know kind of doubled down on everything uh and, and pushed that to another limit that morrison did um so yeah they feel like really good stories but not great x-men stories you know in in my opinion, anyway, I feel I just still feel like the heart it's, of the X Men is there. It's so interesting as a person who just started reading the Krakoan Age, and like that's I always say to Justin, like these are my X Men. This yeah. is my era because sure. I don't yeah. know the other ones right. as well, and so I actually find myself having the reverse feeling, right? Like when we go back and read things, I'm like. It's not that character. That's <laughs> yeah. not who they are. Yeah. And it's like, no, Alicia, like that's their actual history. Um, but I think being able to just, for myself included, like remembering that there have to be different iterations of the characters in order for them to have different opportunities to have story mm -hmm. that we have to be like, okay, how can they grow? How can they change? And what can you pull from their old ways into their new ways? And then what can you let go? And I think that's where certain people have things that they really hold on to for certain characters and they don't want to let them that go. And then where I'm like, let it go. Right. They're all blank slates to you. Yeah. They're yeah, all yeah. brandy new in my mind. <laughs> Just brand new Cerebro download. Uh. <laughs> and I, I, I'd say that there's definitely some that don't feel some titles that feel less like an X-Men title. Um, and, and more like they're exploring something else. But at the same time, that I, I kind of like that variety. Yeah. Uh, you know, Hellions feel, felt like an X-Men title. That mm -hmm. felt like a you know, team doing missions, doing things. Not your typical X-Men team, which also felt like a little twist. Yeah. Uh, Marauders often, well, the beginning of Marauders 
felt like an X-Men title. Yeah. And then it kind of got into a couple of other things as Jerry was laying down tracks to build a larger story or a larger network of potential. Um, I think that there's, there's some that like, like Wolverine has always felt like Wolverine. Yeah. I feel like there's, there's been a handful of runs recently. It was the, the solemn arc that every issue I was like, this is, this is the best arc of this, the story because it just felt like Wolverine doing Wolverine things. And it was great. Yeah, well, I th- I gotta say, I think Benjamin Percy is a is a phenomenal writer. I think he he might be just depending on how he said he has a, a couple years of of Wolverine stories he wants to tell. And I'm like, it, at the end of the day, you may go down as one of the the top Wolverine writers in in history. It's easy to write as Wolverine when you are him. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. Yeah. Um, well, let's let's get into the books individually um, and kind of talk about them a little bit. Um, obviously, that's it's this the lineup. The line changed a little after uh, in recent events and is changing again even more uh, within kind of I think in April or right, is when the new kind of the new books come out, new new rollout. Um, yeah, but uh, kind of the original line that rolled out uh i mean over the first year would have been x-men x-force x-caliber marauders x-factor new mutants uh wolverine hellions cable and sword eventually uh sword being the newest of them um so let's let's talk about uh let's talk about the books individually where i think we were going to rank them did you guys rank them Oh yeah. Let's go through and go uh let's go last to first. And we'll we'll go around and talk uh uh to, uh Yeah, let's just go around and we'll give our lists and then we'll talk about them all. How about that? So That's great. Yeah. Justin and I made our lists and we didn't show each other. So Oh, okay, it's exciting. Well, Alicia, since you get top billing, you go first. Okay. Uh, and um We'll, uh, we'll, yeah, start at 10 and get worked down to number one, and then we'll talk about why and what we loved about them. Okay, number 10. Sorry, it's X-Men. Oh. Oh, snap. Okay, wow. <laughs> number nine is Cable. Number eight is X-Factor. Number seven is Sword. Number six is New Mutants. Five is Excalibur. Four is X-Force. Three is Wolverine. Two is Hellions, and Marauders is my number one. Okay, Marauders number one. Uh, and number two is Hellions. What was number three? Wolverine. Wolverine. Okay, all right. I, uh, it's a good good lineup. And number uh, X-Men number 10. In 10th place, 10 out of 10. The, the, the bottom of the barrel, uh, the lead title coming in last place. <laughs> take Sorry, that, X-Men. Take that, Hickman. Uh, <laughs> that, that like jaw dropped. You yeah. are, you are Did not you not, ex- that. not expect that? Well, well. At the same time, I, I do understand that just because when you want to talk about what felt or didn't feel like an X Men title, that didn't. That felt like it was Hickman just planting more seeds. Yeah. And it's it's fun, and it had some really great standout issues. But that's not a title that reads well in a binge. I feel because yeah. there's no follow through. There's no connection. I did really enjoy some of those standout issues. I feel like the X-Men run had some of the best single issues of the entire era. You know, I'm thinking about 
issue four where they had that meeting at with the the economic summit mm. yes or, that was a great issue you're issue, not going to get me to change my list uh, i did yeah. before <laughs> i like uh, the issue six with mystique and and like bring my wife back like um and like the in the vault stuff i was and, gonna say I, I just read those the other day and i liked that quite a bit that was a great payoff and, yeah. and a really great story and really leveled up sync in my mind uh, and, and made him deserve that X Men roster slot. I'm just, I'm just fanning the flame. Just give your list, my love. Just All give right. your list. Number ten, Excalibur. Oh. Okay. Number nine, Cable, which I think is where you had yes, him too. Yes. Number eight, X Factor, which is also where you had him. Number seven, New Mutants, and that was a hard one to place just because there's been a handful of different creators on New Mutants, and I feel like. Mm-hmm. The last the Vita has has really changed the trajectory of New Mutants for me. That would, for, if we're just counting Vita's run, I feel like it'd be a little higher. Okay, so you think that change for the better with Vita. I do. Okay, okay, all right, yeah, just what we yeah, okay. I was not I was not into the the section of Brisson's run. I did like the concepts introduced in Hickman's issues at the beginning and and where that led in the X Men title with the Brood. And the brood egg. I thought that was really cool. The king egg. All right. New Mutants. That was what? Seven? Seven. Number six. I've got X-Force. Number five. I've got Wolverine. Number four. I've got Marauders. Four. Number three. I've got X-Men. Two. I've got Sword. And one. I've got Hellions. Interesting. We're going to fight okay. later. Wow. Um all right. Well, it's fun because this is our all of our lists are very different and bounce around quite <laughs> a bit. So, um, for me, uh, uh, sword number ten at the bottom at the bottom for me. Uh, number nine, X Men also very very low on the ranking for me. Um, this is so it got the middle of this list when I started. I thought this was going to be easy. Then I started writing it, and I'm like. It gets yeah, very the, the middle is very murky because like you said, Justin, like New Mutants for me, um, I loved the first half and then the second mm-hmm. half with Vita fell off completely for me. Um, right. So like I loved Hickman's stuff. Brisson's first few issues I didn't like, but his second arc before he left, I thought was phenomenal. Um, so like that was a hard book to place. Um, so all these books in between in the middle here are really tough, but here goes. Um, I, I honestly, I changed my, my list while we were talking. I've enjoyed it all. It's, right? So <laughs> let's just take that with a grain of salt when you see where things fall. But. Right. Yeah. It's hard to, it's, uh, it, it's just, so many of these titles in the middle had chunks I liked a lot and then parts right. where I didn't like a lot. So uh, having said that, uh, number eight, uh, X-Force. Uh, number seven, Excalibur. Uh, number six, Marauders. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, Marauders, Marauders and X-Force, I will say this, both had the best opening Sorry. arcs yes. and both of them fell off very very hard for me after that um x force much more than marauders obviously because i placed a little higher uh number five uh x factor uh which i'm one of the few people that enjoyed that book fairly well almost consistently um number four uh new mutants uh number three cable uh i i actually really enjoyed cable um 
number two Wolverine and number one Hellions. Hellions with a bullet, 100%. Uh, yeah. yeah. The best book for me. Um, Zeb Wells is so underrated as a writer in general. I, I, I've always enjoyed everything he's done, and he just nailed this out the park. Absolutely. I, I think I'm following him to Spider-Man and will be pulling yeah. Amazing Spider-Man for the first time in like decades. So He did a run on Amazing Spider-Man oh, 10 years ago or so with Chris Bacala, who's one of my favorite artists. And it's, yeah. a, it's a great run with Spider-Man and the Lizard. Um, I suggest reading it. But I, I love everything Zeb Wells does. He's a great writer, great, great humor. The way he wrote Sinister is amazing. Uh, yes. the, the relationship between Empath and uh, uh, Scalp Hunter, that dynamic is great. And Havoc's my favorite character, so it's hard to, hard to beat Hellions. And I love Psylocke. I love B-list characters. Yeah. yeah. And that, that just raised the profile of so many characters <laughs> that, you know, Nanny and Orphan Maker oh, are yes. in contention for breakout mutants of the year. Like that was fantastic. Yeah. yeah so let's um, so let's break these down a little bit. Um, we'll just uh, uh, let's just go through. And so Hellions, we all liked Hellions quite a bit. Number one yes. and number two uh, on, on our all our list, respectively. I think that one just was just the most fun and it, it it was consistent great characterization and yeah um yeah the that, that's one i feel like i will go back and and read just that title to just enjoy that title and have actually reread that run just because i really like what zeb did with those characters and and how that put a twist on i, I had said it at one point early on that sinister and psylocke feel like a dark version of xavier and cyclops in oh. the way that they're pulling the strings of these new teams interesting in, in contrast to the old teams yeah just i feel like that go go ahead oh no go ahead go ahead alicia no i was gonna go in a different direction <laughs> oh you go. i was just gonna say I agree. that's a good point that's all I, I i agree i never looked at that way but that's a good point i just feel like that book made me like laugh out loud yeah. and had so many like moments where I had to take a step back and be like, what is happening? <laughs> and the art in the book was amazing. Yeah. Just overall. Steven Segovia. Just a, just a great combination of characters and creative team. And if it wasn't for Kate and Emma, it would have been my number one. Okay. So that, so you, it was close though. Close. It came in the, yeah, yeah the, uh, the dialogue, the interaction between Sinister and Arcade. There's several moments where when he's like confirmed, I'm confirmed. I'm, I'm oh, beating yeah. here. Like I'm <laughs> that that whole moment. Well, I mean, I laughed out loud, and yeah. <laughs> he called him a Chucky doll. Um, it just it was just we great. We still say we still say praise Tarn regularly in this home. So. <laughs> yeah, that, that's like a go-to awesome phrase. <laughs> it's I I do love B-list characters, and I love when a writer can successfully make B-list characters like even more lovable and readable, you know, it just proves a good mm -hmm. writer and it proves that like, you know, you don't have to be this A-list character to sell a book. You can, it just takes good writing, hmm. you know? So, yeah. um, and I think, uh, Wolverine, was that all pretty, pretty high up for most of us? Yeah. Or you had a pretty yeah, low, yeah. Justin? I was, five. I was a little I had lower. Number three on Wolverine. Okay. Well, um, and I, f I feel like that, for me, I was not into the vampire story. You really hated that. I yeah. really did. And and I just, I like where it went. And I like the connection to Omega Red. And I liked what that kind of set up. But I just, that that didn't feel, and there were, there were times where it just felt 
okay, is Wolverine, am I reading Wolverine or am I reading X-Force? Oh, and yeah. that was yeah. a little confusing. And, and you, know, you want to talk about a book's identity, really blurred the lines. I didn't mind that at times because I felt like it was an ability to expand a story even further or to build a threat even more. But uh, the much, much more certain arcs really stood out for me and Wolverine. Yeah. Yeah, it it uh, I mean it had a little dips, a couple little dips, but overall I liked it. The 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 vampire thing seemed like a little bit of a retread to me at first from I don't know if you ever read the second adjectiveless X-Men book by something Gishler. Uh it was the second the first reboot of the uh, X-Men books um and it, there's very vampire heavy Curse of the Vampire, it's the first dark. Um but uh it was interesting. Plus I love Omega Red, I love Maverick and Adam Kubert is is arts oh, yeah. phenomenal that, anything anything that cuber any issue that cuber was on i was like okay I, i'm just <laughs> loving this with my eyeballs so we're good we're into this yeah and it just i i i kind of like like i said earlier felt like it was the only book that was a fairly consistent narrative that did you know like you mentioned at least you don't feel like you have to read other books to necessarily get a yeah um, i mean yeah x-force is a compliment to it but you could kind of leave it or love it or leave it so um and then uh, cable, cable. I liked a lot. Neither. It sounds like neither of you guys were into cable that much. It's not that I wasn't into cable. I felt like it did a really great job at what it did. It's just it felt small in what it meant to everything else. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was I was surprised by the end of it to care about Kid Cable because I wasn't a fan of Kid Cable going into that series. Yeah. But I feel like Jerry and and Phil Noto especially and and the art throughout made me care about this character and miss the fact that we're, you know, I, I you always have loved old man cable. Glad to have him back. Yeah. Uh, I just, I'm thinking back and, and all that stuck out to me from that run is like strife, right? It's mm. strife and clones mm-hmm. and very cable, but yeah. yeah, I think for me, there weren't really many of these 10 that I was like, Oh, I don't really like that book. Like the ones that I, found to be like lower on my list or not in this list. So for me placing them, it was more like, all right, which ones are the most memorable to me? Like when I think back on my time reading, what do I get the most drawn to? And I just kind of forget about cable. Sometimes the story is there and I think reading it, I enjoyed it, Yeah, but in the, the impact that it had on the overall Mm. story, I don't feel like it had as much of an impact. So I don't, bring it front of mind as it, had, much. it had trouble breaking through the noise yeah and, and standing out and and just it was a fun story but yeah yeah i and it's funny that i think all those things you're describing are the reasons i loved it so much um <laughs> nice. which which that makes it, sense yeah i mean it's very true it did i mean i often when i think about i try and like get the list in my head of like okay what were the books because i'm working on something cable always gets forgotten because you know it was only 12 issues it came in late and it was kind of it, like, I, but I'm like, that's why I liked it. Cause it was kind of a light ditty breezy read that wasn't so m- mired in all the rest of the Krakoan stuff that you could in, um, it was just kind of fun, breezy comic book read, uh, with some humor and kind of what you'd expect from cable. Um, and I, I like, that's why I enjoyed it so much. Cause it, it gave me like a reprieve from the rest of the, the usual, like, Oh, this is very, 
heavy. Right, right. <laughs> this know? connects to this, and this is this. Oh, this is coming in from this title. I need to show up to reading comics with my notes. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I can make sure you get a good night's sleep, uh, <laughs> drink a Red Bull, have a Cliff Bar, and get ready to buckle up. Um, <laughs> which I... Which I feel like, like that's one of the things that I love about this era, and and what has really drawn me in, and it made me a little bit more like an, an obsessive fan because of it. That is, um, yeah. I mean, it spun a podcast out of it, so that yeah. I feel like that obsessing over the interconnectedness of it drew me in further versus made it feel like a, a burden. Because you know, you think about even even Claremont's run; he's juggling a ton of different plots. Oh, yeah. It's just they're not paying off for another year or two. Well, some and, of them still haven't, and it's been 40 right, exactly. years. <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> so I still don't know who the third Summers brother is officially, uh, or whichever. I mean, there's been like eight new ones, but none of them right. were the third one that they talked about forever. That one's still out there, I guess, or who fucking knows. Uh, <laughs> well, have, have you have you read X-Men Legends? I, I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. Because uh, uh, especially the first arc... Uh, anything by Fabian Nicienza and then drawn by Brett Booth. I'm in. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, yeah, if, uh, I guess he's one of them now. Kind too. Of, yeah. Right, kind yeah. Of which, uh, yeah, kind, we, we right. have two kind of third summers yeah. brothers. Yeah. It, thanks a lot. She are. Yeah. And they're still hinting that, you know, there's still always that everyone now and then will hint that Gambit still is, might maybe be one. And you're like, okay, all right. That's yeah. It's, right. It's, what? It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's been hinted. I hate to, yeah. I hate to tell you, Lee, that's been hinted at in the past too, that Gambit may be uh summer's brother also. And who knows? I, you know, his parents were banging a lot. Those parents <laughs> were banging out different people everywhere. Apparently they just really spread that seed. Um, so, uh, Let's see what uh, and New Mutants. That's one that kind of uh, bounced around on every. That was number four for me for you guys. Six, uh, seven for you, I think. Seven, yeah, and that was one of the ones that I was switching around trying to place just because of all the different directions and, and voices, and mm-hmm. because of I think that bit off a lot more than I think it could handle as a single title throughout. Yeah, I, I listened. We listened to an interview with Hickman and how he was talking about wanting to have a book for the new mutants like the og new mutants and wanting to have a book for the gen x team and how that all kind of didn't mesh with what else they could do or what other creators wanted to do so it felt like a lot of that just got sandwiched into the one new mutants title yeah yeah it was that was a strange approach to have two different storylines going on because what uh I originally I originally bought the first trade paperback. I went back and bought all the individuals and issues and read them that way also. But the first trade paperback is issue like number one through three and then five and six or something like that. And I didn't realize that, but it, I was reading it. And then, you know, uh, Sun, Sunspot has this yep. monologue and he talks about how he missed you missed an issue and this is happening down on earth. And I'm like, did I miss pages? And I'm like, Oh, (laughs) and and I realized there's two different teams. And I'm like, this is a very, it's an interesting approach for an ongoing series to feel like, uh, you know, there's two different writers, two different arcs and they're not, especially for a monthly book. I just felt like it was, it was, I I really, in my heart, I know that it was just Hickman wanted to set up his brood story and he couldn't do that while doing all the things he was setting up in X-Men. So, yeah, there's just so many characters in that book that I love so much. And that's why I think it was like a little higher 
than some of the other ones on my list. You know, yeah. a lot of the new mutants like Danny Moonstar. I love Danny. And then and then Gabby and then the whole like crew of new mutant kids. We call them the new new mutants. <laughs> you know? There's the new mutants and then the new new mutants. And just that continue for me of I think from for the peppering in of here's a new here's more characters. Here's more characters. Here's more characters. And all of that I really enjoyed. The boys in space can stay in space as far as I'm concerned. Um, as long as they get their own title, I'm into it. That's yeah, fine, but sure. I don't really need to read anything with Birdo in it. I'm I'm out on him. No, well, not watch a fan. Out for X-Men Red. Not a fan he of just, uh, uh, Birdo DaCosta there, no? No, he really rubs me the wrong way. Oh, man. I, I, the, the, I, thought, I thought Hickman had a great monologue on him and really nailed his character and made him a lot. Like, he... he 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 made what the the kind of charming asshole he is endearing and like this this monologue and kind of breaking the fourth wall. I liked it because it it, <laughs> it like was a throwback to old school New Mutants. It felt like the original New Mutants title of this kind of more irreverent um, kind of ad- space adventure, just wild wacky stuff happening, uh, which is a lot how the original title was. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny. I feel like. Hickman really nailed Birdo's character. Just Alicia does not like. <laughs> I think character. I grew up around too many people like him. Oh, yeah. sure. Yeah. And um, I just, but I mean, that is a testament to, you know, the writers and, and the creators of the character creating a really great character. Like he has a personality has a solid stance yeah. on who he is. I just don't care for him. Sure. That makes sense. And it, yeah, but you know, that is a good point. It, you don't, you know, every character has, has to be different and that's his unique uh, personality and at least there was it was consistent and mm-hmm. it's having that personality around other personalities is interesting too and in how they interact yes. especially mm-hmm. when you're considered these supposed to be like these selfless heroes um, having that kind of personality is really interesting um, this you had said that speaking of new mutants uh, that you thought that Vita's run kind of took it in another direction for you was there anything in particular about it that uh, that you weren't into or that you didn't like where it was going? Uh, I, I, you know, it just completely, I, for, for, I just completely lost interest in mm-hmm. what was happening after Brisson left. Like it just, well, I, I didn't, I didn't feel like a lot was happening, uh, honestly. And the character, the, uh, none of the characters were, were particularly compelling anymore. And it, it just kind of was, it just felt like they were like, hey, we're just kind of hanging out and sometimes we train and then, you know, Shadow King, like the Shadow thing, Shadow King thing was kind of building. Um, I, the, mo- the thing that had me most interested is, is Rain's arc, uh, trying to figure yeah. out what was going on with her kid. Um, and uh, that, that was probably like the most interesting part to me. But also maybe because he, uh, Vita started focusing on characters I uh, didn't really care about either. That might have mm-hmm. been part of it, too. So a lot of the characters that I did enjoy that were being focused on were now kind of out of the Elsewhere. picture. So, yeah. I'm, you know, they really went to kind of the, the Gen X, the new, 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 new mutants. And they were all a bunch of characters where I'm like, I don't, I don't know. This doesn't I don't really, really care for what's happening to these people. I have no investment in them. So, mm. yeah, yeah. I, I honestly I don't really know Rainboy that much. Um I think Gabby was probably a standout just because I yeah. really liked her in X-Men Red and I've been trying to get to know her more. And then what was the other, who was the other character? Oh, actually, I, I, I know 
Anol kind of rubbed me the wrong way mm. because of him not reacting to Rockslide's death and and not oh. really even having that impact him in any way. Yeah. And so I, I really called that out as odd, and that still kind of sits with me as you know that might be why he's lashing out in certain ways, but it's not been addressed in any way. Uh, but I, I did like how they set up just this this training class of mutants and and just the the data page of of Charles Xavier being like, oh yeah, thanks for volunteering oh, yes. to start the new mutants or to start the training school. <laughs> good job, guys. Wish you the best. Yeah, go Charles, for it. Charles, we have a problem. Here you go. Okay, good. Well, good. Fix it. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> yeah, this is your job now. Um, the uh, let's see what else. Uh, oh, X Factor. Uh, uh, X Factor. This was fairly. I've most people I talked to did not like this book at all. Somewhere between lukewarm to hated it. Um, to me, it was one really of the most like consistent it. books. Like it, it wasn't. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't like a ten every issue, but it also was consistently going. the 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 idea was always there, and it was always kind of the same um, theme. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. See, like it's kind of low on my list because I think the first couple issues really set it up like this is going to be a crime book, mm, and I was mm. really excited about that, and then it kind of. Was a crime a book, but not really. And then I, not to the fault of the book, but I didn't really like how it wrapped up really quickly yeah. and the way it ended. So I think I just wanted it to be like true crime for the X-Men. Yeah. But yeah. it wasn't. Which would have been nice. I think, you know, I think they just, the book wasn't selling great in the way that was the art, the, the, the line was going. They just mm-hmm. kind of had to cut it. Um, uh, but to me, yeah. it felt like it had a little bit of heart, at least. The characters oh, yeah. seemed a little more connected, tighter. The 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 roster and like people you'd see seemed a little more cohesive, and they just it had a little bit more heart in a in a book that in a in a line that feels a little sterile because there's so many characters, it's hard to focus on any of them. Yeah, I I really enjoyed X Factor for the most part. I thought that the the character voices for most of them were, were really spot on and, mm-hmm. and a lot of great character work too. Uh, I would agree with what Alicia was saying about just the focus of it and how that seemed to lose what its intention was yeah. and morph into something else. And then just the debacle of it being canceled and taking what would have been an arc mm-hmm. and then making it its own event mini so Trial of Magneto was a story that would have taken place in X Factor. Right. Leah had written that as just a, a later arc and editorial was like, no, we really like this. We're going to we're going to cancel your book and we're going <laughs> to elevate this to an event so that people or, or a miniseries so that more people will put X-Men in front of it so that everybody's like, oh, hey, it's got yeah. X-Men on it. Uh, we'll, we'll give it a legacy title that she did not pick out for Trial of Magneto. And mm. I, I just and at the end of Trial of Magneto, and I know you haven't read it, so I won't tell you any, any spoilers, but I, I feel like that would have been a lot more successful narratively as an arc in X Factor. That mm-hmm. makes sense. And, yeah. and it would have given Leah more runway to wrap things up because the final issue of X Factor, you know, you find out while you're scripting it that it's going to be your last. So you have to kill all your darlings or let them right. fly away and yeah. also tie into the Hellfire Gala. Because it was a Hellfire Gala issue, right? Yeah, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot to address in one issue. I did. Right. Um, and to Alicia's point too, the I, 
I did find it the interesting, you know, the mutant police were going to be doing this work to find, you know, verified dead bodies and all this, this stuff. It was an interesting idea, but I did have that thought very early on where I'm like, how long can that last as your focus in this book? You know, like that, that's, a, that's an interesting concept that does need to you 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 obviously someone has to have that job on this island if they're going to do that but that Mm -hmm. focus seems like it can't be a forever thing you know like the book to me i just was like ah, these characters i like and they have there's some heart and there's you know there's some pathos and there's kind of more uh, uh genuine interaction between them instead of just like Hey, we need to say this, and this happened because you know this event's happening, yeah. and this thing's happening over Marauders. We need you to know this. It's just like, here you go. Here's these characters, kind of just being. It people. definitely felt very like they were very much a family. Mm, their yes. their group. Yeah, I agree that their character relationships and the character building and just the overall presence of them as a group in the book was very strong in comparison to some of the other books. Um, I just like murder mysteries yeah and i wanted it and i was like pumped i read that first issue i was like yeah <laughs> yeah and, and, and just let down. i feel like their power set was uniquely set up to be able to do that yeah. the, the different people to be able to you know rachel's chrono skimming yes and yeah just the yeah there, were, there was a lot that i was thinking or hoping for that that it went different directions. And just going back to like what you were talking about just earlier too, with like resurrection and like all of that and asking that question, like, what is this about? How will it be play a role that could focus so much on that? Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and that was supposed, that was supposed to be a, a secondary or a main focus of the book was the five and, mm-hmm. and there. And I feel like some of that went into new mutants and the five kind of rebelling against the leadership and and wanting to do and even doing some things yeah did now that i think about it did they ever explain why aurora died in the beginning like why she was at that with that guy in bellingham washington or whatever like that's kind of the opening arc and then the second issue she's back alive and they don't they kind of go talk about her being with some guy but they never really yeah. tell you why, what happened or why she it like they make it sound like it's kind of a big deal or like something happened. And then they never talk about it again. Am I wrong? Or I'm trying to think now. No, like, you're right. Just, yeah, you're right. I, I'm pretty sure it was only conversationally wrapped up between Akiro and Aurora on the dance floor in the last issue. And I feel like that was one of the like, oh, this was intended to be like a okay. defining. Mm. I'm yeah. pretty sure she was trying to plant herself into a mutant bigoted organization or group mm. through this guy okay and, and and he found out and killed her or or something along those lines i don't remember it exactly but i'm pretty sure it's in issue 10 of the hellfire gala and and that was really the only addressing of it that they did uh throughout you you're getting an arc for aurora and and how she's connecting with akiro and and what else is happening with them but to that mystery i don't i don't think it was ever satisfied in terms of it being solved. Yeah. It just kind of like, Oh yeah. And this happened. So gotta right. go. <laughs> and the same, and same thing with prodigy and his death. And I feel like that was also kind of shoehorned into the last mm-hmm. issue. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, in, I mean, that's unfortunate that, that they didn't get a chance to really properly wrap up some of that stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, and let's see. So now let's move on to, uh, Alicia's favorite book, Marauders number one. Or for you, my number one is so sad <laughs> on your list. I know it was again. I tell, like I said, this book first arc because I read the first trade paperback originally again, and I'm like, 
oh, this book's amazing. Like, this is great. Yeah. And then the second arc was good. And then after that, it really was just kind of like, ah, uh, I didn't. I just was struggling with it after that to, to, to find much of a lot of reason to love it. Like the characters, I love a lot of the characters. I love, I love. Don't get me wrong, I love uh, Kate, not Kitty. Uh, <laughs> I, Bishop, um, you know, Iceman, Pyro. I love all the characters, but it just kind of lost me after the first ten issues. About you can talk about why you didn't like it, and then I'll talk about why I like. <laughs> it's it. not that I didn't like it. I, I think you're spot on, Dees. I loved the first arc. It was, it was probably. I think it was listing at number two or number one in my head at the end of that first six issue arc. Yeah. And then the second six issue arc, it was after Kate died. And mm-hmm. and the second one was like, okay, this is cool. It felt a little long in trying to get her back. And then after that point, and then it might've been some kind of connection with 10 of swords, but I really loved the 10 of swords issue with storm. I thought that was one of oh, my in, favorite, like standout issues of Wakanda. her getting the, the Wakandan. Yep. Yeah. And then after that, I feel like the focus just really blew open and it was no longer the, the same book that I had been reading in the first 12 issues. We really lost a lot of the interactions between the other characters that have now become secondary. Yeah. It, it really became the hellfire trading company book. And I didn't mind that. That's why it's still number four on my list. You know, it's uh, like number eight or nine on DC. <laughs> number six. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you're just reacting traumatically <laughs> of the fact that it wasn't number one on everyone else's Should list. Should have been number one. And I, I really like the arc that Jerry wrote for Kate and Emma. You know, and that that's mm-hmm. one of the main reasons why I think yes. it's it's one of your favorites. I feel like those two characters were handled really well. Yeah, and set up for really big things and really cool things and. I'm really excited about their journey continuing in both Marauders and Immortal X-Men. And I feel like that's a title that I'm really excited about. Yeah. But I just, I feel like things kind of lost focus and it, it just, I wasn't sure where it was going. And, and part of it was setting up the Hellfire Gala, which I enjoyed. Um, I think the thing is for me, in Marauders, I found like my two characters, Kate okay. and Emma. Yeah. Like, they're those those are my mutants that's my people and (laughs) i almost feel like they could do no wrong to me like if it was just an entire book about emma going to meetings and sassing people i would be fine with it yeah um i liked seeing these two women sort of like come into their own and take control over these two team or you know the team the hellfire trading company and like everything that was going on i love to hate shaw and i like watching them tear him down that that was Um, great yeah, that issue was great. That was probably the height of it in my mind. And then, yeah, I just I liked what it was building for the two of them. And I feel really connected to those two characters. So I think, like I said, Hellions could really be my number one. But it feels like dishonest for me to say that that wasn't the book that no matter what, every week I was like, yes, where You're are my marauders? For... Where are they? Tell me yeah. what what week is it that they're coming out? Every month was like, give me my book. and. <laughs> that when there was the conversation of what's going to be going on to the next phase of things and what isn't, I was, you know, on the edge of my seat wondering if Marauders was going to still be around. And I'm actually really excited for what's going to happen and for how it's going to come back into what its original purpose was. And I think the best parts of the book are when the full team gets to be together and you get to see that dynamic and that whole mission sense of it. But I am 
obsessed with Kate and Emma. So, yeah, it it almost felt original. Like the, the original arc almost felt like the most X Men book out of all of them. Yeah. Um, it felt and, the most Claremont book. Too. It just it felt like these are the characters, you know, their voices, you know who they are. They're doing missions. And I was just really excited about the seafaring pirates. I think yeah. it kind of has the opposite effect from like me with Marauders is like y'all with X-Force, uh, X-Factor. I always do that. But like, you know, Marauders started out as one thing in your mind and then that changed. And so it was disappointing. But I felt that way about X-Factor. But then. I didn't care that about Marauders. Like sure. I just loved the the characters themselves that I could literally like watch them go grocery shopping. Yeah, and you that were would already be fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's fair. Yeah, it, it it could have suffered a little in the end. Uh, I feel like a lot of things just end up after the Hellfire Gala, kind of in a weird holding pattern, knowing that like okay, we're rebooting X Men. Uh, the rest of the line is going to get rebooted in a couple months. So it's kind of like, we just kind of like got to fill a couple months and maybe they're not doing their best for like, mm-hmm. you know, four to six months to just kind of like buy time until they, until they reboot it. Um, yeah. So that could, could have been part of it too. They're just like, Hey, we're just kind of hanging out. The book sells well. We're just kind of, it's not like we got to cancel it like X factor. We just got to maintain it until, you know, we get the big reboot. So, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, first half of that book, or first arc especially second arc was dipped a little and then you know but um the character great characters like hopefully with the with the reboot it it or what's his name something orlando um, orlando yeah, yeah he, uh, there was a, a couple of interviews with him that i was reading the other day and just his focus and this was an opportunity he, he was approached to come into the x office and he was like you can either pitch uh, something else or also jerry is leaving marauders and you have the opportunity to kind of pick that up and do what you want with that. So to really take that and focus it in on Captain Kate and her missions yeah. and this new team that's yes. assembled and tempo. Yeah. Tempo. Psylocke. <laughs> Bishop. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I love the new lineup. It's yeah. Be so good. And, yeah. And I like how that frees up some of the other characters that weren't really doing a whole lot. Like Iceman wasn't really being utilized in that book. I don't think. Mm-mm. Yeah. But, not a ton. I, it's unfortunate. Hopefully is he, is he in the Immortal X-Men book or is he appearing in a book now? He, he is not currently on a book. Okay. So it, and in his last appearance in Marauders, I think 27, mm-hmm. uh, he and Christian have, they need to find themselves, right? So I, I think Iceman has been going through some, some, some identity evolution of just what he can do after the terraforming of Mars and, and really also taking on Fin Fang Foom. And I feel like very exciting things for the character. Just not sure where we'll see them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that is the benefit and the downfall of having all these characters in one pool at one time. It's, you get a lot of the characters you don't normally get, but also you, you know, you have a lot of characters just sitting around on the sideline, not, not Mm -hmm. doing a ton. So, um, all right, we got a couple more. We'll talk about real quick. Uh, Excalibur, another one that a lot of people, uh, I feel like that book got a ton of hate. Um, oh, why? I loved it. You loved it. Justin, where was it at on your list? Number 10. Oh, number 10. Wow. And, and, Alicia. And, and Mine was number five. Okay. I'll say Excalibur was number 10 because, again, I enjoyed, I really liked and gushed over X Factor, and that was number eight, right? So oh, sure. it, it's hard. I just yeah. enjoy them all. Yeah. And I will say to Excalibur's credit, I really have enjoyed 
post Ten of Swords Excalibur. I feel mm. like that has been on the up ever okay. since that event. And uh, I'm I'm interested to see Knights of X and to see how the focus changes even more with a different title. But there was the, the opening arc of Excalibur felt like a, a chore to me. And <laughs> I had just. I, I will agree with you there. That is one of the books that I think had the worst opening and ended up being yeah. one I enjoyed quite a bit. Uh, it, it ended up number eight for me, but again, those middle ones got murky. But I did, you know, there were arcs I liked a lot, and then there were arcs I liked very little. Like the Bloodstone, the arc where they go hunting, you know, with uh, not Bloodstone. It was a Bloodstone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was Elsa Bloodstone's yeah. brother, which I don't remember his name. And like that kind of didn't do much for me. Uh, I thought all the work they did with Betsy was really great, though, um, and kind mm-hmm. of the crucial parts of X of Swords were in it. So I think the best, to me, some of the best issues of X of Swords were Excalibur issues. Um, and, and like you said, since the end of that um, crossover, I think it's it's improved a lot, too. Yeah, yeah. The, I think the last couple of issues were some of my favorite of the whole run. Mm-hmm. And we, we talked about that every episode yeah. of it. I was just like, hey, I'm... It was it was actually seeing Betsy and Kanan like reconcile their differences and actually the malice story, which was random, but I liked it. Yeah. And then uh, how that tied in and then just everything with Otherworld. I just that gradually went up and up for, yeah. for me. I love magic, like not the character. I do love magic, the character, but like magic. Yeah. And, and with the sorcery. Seat. So that's why I liked it. Yeah. Because there's... it was a completely different. Yeah completely different scope of things and a completely different world for the X-Men to live in, like quite literally. And there were definitely times in the beginning where I just read through it and I was like, I don't know what's happening at all, (laughs) but they're doing magic and there's knights and wizards. So cool. And love the art. Yeah. And the art. Marcus Toe and Eric Garciniego were really killer on that. Sometimes for me, if the art is really, really wonderful on a book i don't care about anything else because i'm just visually so engaged in it yeah yeah i really enjoy it it's easier to to flip through the pages at least if you're if the Mm -hmm. if the art is bad and the story's mediocre you're like what am i even looking at you know Um, yeah yeah the uh it definitely had its own tone you know it threw back to that claremont era excalibur with kind of the that tone um and then uh, I, I did like the idea of the, well, it was kind of jarring at first, but eventually became, I, I liked it. But the lineup was a very interesting lineup, especially maybe just because when you think Excalibur, there's a team that pops in your head, you know, and it doesn't include Gambit and Rogue and Jubilee, you know, and stuff like that. Uh, but, but I liked, I did like seeing that and those characters used in, in that way. So. Yeah. I mean, I do think Jubilee, got the shaft in that yeah yeah kind of i feel like all three of them kind of did i couldn't tell you something other than the opening arc with rogue being manipulated by apocalypse Mm -hmm. and gambit's got sticky fingers to get the the gem that was Kandra that led to ten of swords like not really a whole lot of things happened for those three characters and i feel like that was a lot of my complaint in the beginning was it's the betsy show like it was just a, a book about betsy and if that's what you want that's fine just call it that yeah i did i I did like all they did with betsy i I did enjoy that quite a bit and i mean i think rogue had some i i think rogue was like a good uh counterpart to she was like betsy's sidekick a lot kind of like this Mm -hmm. like you're like betsy's person that's there with her a lot you know not not necessarily crucial but 
um, they played up that relationship quite a bit, you know. Yeah. Um, I will say this, and I'm just because just I'm thinking about this, and Excalibur was a big offender of this. There was a couple. I feel like a lot of these books, though, because I've done a lot of reading of them in the last few weeks to catch up for <laughs> this um, episode. Um, somewhere along the line, X Men writers forgot how to end a comic book. Do you yeah. have you have you look have you when you read these issues the last page you know like the last page is always supposed to be like this cliffhanger thing right. and I feel like so many of the last pages are just like there should be one more page or like you know it's there's <laughs> there, there's like a ton of exposition on the last page you know not just like this reveal splash page big thing mm-hmm. and like hook for the next thing it was just like the last issue is kind of like instead of any with a bang they just kind of like petered out in yeah. the, the last. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the um cable actually did that really well, I think, of of a book that really gave you something to especially because they were doing the the flashes to old man cable yeah. in the future or yep. wherever he was, did a lot of reveals at the last page that made you, oh, I want to know what happens next. Yeah. Yeah, they were good at that. I uh it's funny cuz I feel like Percy in Wolverine was really good at that, but Percy in X-Force was really terrible at that. He, some yeah. of the last pages on a lot of those books were really uh, just undramatic and very, very, again, like I felt like I there was supposed to be another page all the time. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Excalibur did that a lot. A couple other books had that that problem too. And I don't know if it's a writing thing or an editing thing or one of both potentially. So um, yeah. Speaking of X-Force, X-Force on that list. Again, pretty low for me. Number eight for you guys, it was... Four. Four? Three, four, five, six. Six. Four. I think that that one was one that moved around um, primarily because I like the concepts of X-Force, and there are a lot of times that I don't really like the execution of it. So Mm -hmm. a lot of the the high concepts of Xeno, of Beast in the CIA, of Wolverine, uh, like there's some... There's some really juicy arc set up there. Yeah. That, and part of it is, is part of the design of, of Percy's writing style where he didn't want to just do, and he talked about this, he didn't want to do like six issues of this one character and wrap up their story, but have two issues and then in a couple, like a, a month, a handful of months later, two more issues to revisit that story. And then, so it just, it felt like nothing end, ended at all, it felt like nothing resolved. But yeah. conceptually, I feel like it introduced a lot of really, really cool stuff. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I love to hate Beast. So, oh, yeah, <laughs> Beast, another one. So, a team of Beast and Sunspot, and uh, <laughs> a Beast I want to keep reading. Beast, I'm like, yeah, give me that juicy drama that's happening in yeah. this right. book because he's a bad guy and doesn't think he's the bad guy. Yeah. Well, that is a weird thing. So I like what Percy set up there. And, you know, one of the things he, he said to me when we were talking is that like, you know, the CIA thing and, you know, beast is the brains and, and, and Wolverine is the muscle. And it's an interesting dynamic. Um, I will say that beast seems wildly mischaracterized compared to past. Like he, he somehow became like almost a shadow villain. Uh, in immoral mm-hmm. along the way, which is so odd. And, and I think that might reflect in a lot of these characters to me, like they became very uh, nationalists, like they're nationalists now. Yeah. They're not patriotic. They're not heroes. They're nationalists. And anything, 
uh, for their country, even to the detriment of other people and countries, which is very, very odd. But it, yeah. I think it, it manifests in Beast a lot because of his role. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, especially with Terra Verde. I, I feel like you look at Beast and and Beast wanting to be where Cyclops was in the eyes of Xavier and has been given this role and how does that affect him? And a lot of people have been calling or, or suggesting, is this Dark Beast or is this the inkling of Dark Beast? And I have no problem with that. I love yeah. Dark Beast. And to to play that in-between of he's not the, the bouncing blue beast from the 90s uh, animated series, but he's not Dark Beast. He's somewhere in between and it's graying either way and it's for the, the protection of all mutants. And uh, I, I feel like being that head of intelligence gives him a little bit more of the pressure of protecting what they have and, and how you can lose it in various ways, but also leads to the potential of them losing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's we'll see, you know, Percy said that there's a big kind of, that's kind of the end of what his ideas for these books, uh, this blowout between Wolverine and beast. We'll, so we'll see how that plays out. Uh, hopefully with some explanation, I just, every time I read beast, I just feel like he's so, mischaracterized compared to any you know so it's just it's 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 challenging but um x-force is a book like marauders that the first arc was one of the best out of the gate for me and then it fell off very very hard in my opinion so yeah i loved Cassara's art at the beginning and and throughout and then just i think x-force for me what the highlight is is it's beast in the cia and it's the villains that have been building mm-hmm. it's yeah. Zeno, it's the chronicler it's mikhail yes. it, and it's those are those feel like much bigger threats than x-force is actually handling yeah and they feel like line-wide threats and yeah. I, that's exciting. And I, I really like the Chronicler and I love the Green Lagoon. And so yeah. that, that first appeared in X-Force. The, uh, yeah, the, I, 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 I read that. I didn't love the uh, Kid Omega arc. Mm. Late, you know, like 18, 19, 20, that kind of arc where uh, his separate psyche was, or, you know, building in this uh, villain. Uh, that, yeah. that didn't really appeal to me that much either. So, yeah. I, I never really liked Kid Omega until some of the, the issues of it. And I, I said that to him. I was like, you actually made me care about Kid Omega. But I would agree that some of the things, and I don't know what that was. I don't know if we've actually, I think that's the manipulations of the Cerebro sword and or Mikhail having Quentin's dead body. Mm-hmm. And I just, that as a concept was interesting, but yeah. Yeah. Just the, Didn't really play out that well. Yeah. Um and then we've got, uh, uh, we'll talk about X-Men Last Sword. It was number 10 for me. That was high for Justin. For Alicia, that was? Uh, it was seven. Seven. So, and you had it at number two, Justin? I did. Oh, you liked, you liked that one a lot? You love Sword. I love oh, Sword. <laughs> I love Sword because Sword is so much bigger than the X-Men. Yeah. Sword is, Sword is that connection point to the rest of the Marvel Universe. And I feel like... Sometimes not in a positive way and and a handful of the issues getting pulled into events. But also at the same time, there was the the manifold issue of sword that really sticks out to me Mm. as it was also a King and black tie in. And I just really loved that issue. And Mm. I liked what sword felt like. It felt like it was 
the next stage in mutant ascendance of, of mutant evolution, right? So you have the six and they're doing what they're doing. The, uh, the sword hellfire gala issue was so good and, and just so many, so many threads being set up and furthered in that when, when storm walks out of that portal and she's like, you know, my name, like, Oh my God. <laughs> there were, there were a really a lot of, and, and I, as much as she hates Abigail brand, despise that woman. <laughs> I loved well, where they put her at the end because you know, that, that is a great twist. That is a great setup for conflict. Yeah. But I told you, Sure. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I told you she was. She, she, she was suspect. She was hiding things from herself. Like, yeah, that's her character, though. She's always. Right. You yeah. know, she's she's got bigger things on, and she says that a lot during the series. She has bigger things on her mind than mutants in a, yeah. a, a country. You know, one island. She's look thinking the whole universe, the whole galaxy. Right. Yeah, she's a spacer, not yeah. a not an earther, right? And and I feel like that mindset was interesting because it connects to so much more of the Marvel universe and, and felt like really where the X-Men line was going with planet size X-Men with Mm -hmm. sword being set up as this protection of soul and the expansion of what they could be doing on other planets. I'm I'm really excited for X-Men red. Yeah. I'm super excited for X-Men red. I think for me, sword was like a hit or miss some issues I loved, some issues I didn't. So and yeah. Cora. Oh my god, I loved Cora, the burning heart. <laughs> I told you he loves sword. Yeah. <laughs> you really do love sword. It just, I it just uh you know, I think for a book that what ran ten issues, something like that. Uh, 12, to, yeah, 11. it, uh, you know, to, when you have the, so many tie up into a, a crossover and like, um, yeah, there were a couple standout issues. It just kind of, I didn't always know where it fit. It just seemed like it didn't. And maybe that's, that is, that's also, you know, again, why you liked it. It doesn't quite fit for me. I didn't know where it fit for you. It did not fitting was like the reason it was, it, it stood out, Yeah, you know, and, yeah. and as someone that's been reading everything mm-hmm. since the start, when something stands out and, and does something different, that catches me. Yeah. And I just feel like that was what really drew me to it. Yeah. And then uh, lastly, the X-Men, the main title, um, number 10 for Alicia, number nine for me. Uh, and number, what was that number one for you? No, that one, Hellions was number one for you. What was it? Number three. Number three it was number three for, three for so, me. Okay. And, and that one moved around as well. Like that, that was a little bit lower, but I just... Am I going first? Am I go no, ahead? Go, yeah, you go, go ahead. Am I defending yeah, my go, opinions? No, yeah. Defend your honor. <laughs> defend the honor of the X Men. So, as a title, it felt very dis- disjointed. It was not a single title. It was the seed book. You yeah. know, each issue was a one and done kind of, except nothing was ever really done. It was let's interject this new thread, and that was exciting because there were so many things that could come from that. And I, I started saying it before when you said 10, I was like, what? Some of some of my favorite single issues of the entire era came from X-Men. The the Magneto issue where that one was a he run. Oh, man, I'm getting goosies just thinking about it. I love <laughs> that issue. The um, the Crucible issue. I just love the philosophy of that. I loved the concept of that. The the stuff in the stuff in the vault. I thought that that was like a, a love story out of nowhere yeah. and and a really cool way to take something and a really great adaptation of the data pages that had not been utilized in that way in other titles. I just felt like the, the Nimrod issue of, of issue 20, there was like, I can, I can pick out individual issues that stand 
to me, you know, Hellions and Sword are higher, but there are individual issues that I feel like stand okay. higher than any of my favorite others sure. from those titles. Yeah. It's just that. Oh, and Scott Summers. Yes. Scott Summers. It's, it's a Cyclops book, too. That's why I don't like it. Yes. <laughs> no, no, it's not. I don't want to make my reasons for not liking books solely on characters. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's okay. I think You're allowed me, to not like characters. <laughs> right. I just dislike those characters. Um, I'm trying to let Scott into my life in a positive way. I'm giving him some credit, but... I think for me it was it's kind of exactly the same thing that you're saying, but I'm just looking at it as the reason I didn't like it, that it set up all these things. And then it never it was like, here's another thing. Bye. We're not talking about that anymore. Here's another thing. Save that for later. Here's something else. And I I think the vault was like the only one that was like consistent, a couple of issues about it, but it still set it up and then had a huge break of time and then came back to it. Yeah, it had. It had a huge break in time that I experienced in real time. I'm I sorry read for you. issue five, and then a year and a half later, we got issues 18 and 19 where they actually came out Talk of the I'm it. really sorry for you that you had to experience it like that. But, but it was payoff. It was good payoff. That's for me what it was. It was it was similar to what I was saying of why cable was lower on my list is that if you asked me, like when Justin was just listing them and saying, oh, yeah, there was this issue and then the Magneto issue and the Nimrod issue. If you list them like that, I go, oh, yeah, that was an X-Men issue. But trying to put my to wrap my head around, like, what was that series? Yeah, I don't know. And that's I think a good that's kind of how I would say it, too. Like it just it didn't. It, first of all, like it, it for a flagship, what should have been the flagship book, it felt like an afterthought. Um, and I mean, there were a lot of, yeah, there's, there's good individual issues, but yeah, there's a lot of like, Hey, here's this by, like you said. Um, and it just didn't feel like the, the flagship title. Like it didn't feel like I was getting my X-Men fix every month that I want when I read the book X-Men, you know? Uh, and the, uh, it, it, yeah, there wasn't really consistency. Uh, the vault thing was probably the most interesting part. I like the setup and then, yeah, you wait a year and a half and you, you know, luckily I didn't have to wait a year and a half to read it, but I, it was, uh, that was good. Uh, there were some good, there were some good parts to it, but, um, and also I, I am not, and they set it up from the beginning with house of X and everything. This whole Orcus thing is not, has not been impressed upon me as much as they want it to be. Like it has not made me feel Ugh. like I have not been able to wrap my head around how uh, it, it, they haven't made me care about it as much as they want to, I think, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been, you know, that was kind of the idea, the whole, the whole house of X powers X. I mean, that's what it was built on and it keeps coming up and they keep, you know, the Nimrod issue was very cool and interesting. That was kind of starting to pay off, but I'm like, there's been a lot of these guys and what's happening with Orcus and a lot of talk of them. And I'm don't have not been able to bring myself to care a lot about it. They haven't made me care a lot about that yet. So maybe that's think, part of why. Yeah. I think that has to do a lot with just its absence, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's heavy in the beginning. Yeah. And then you get that one issue, I think in six where you're like, okay, there's some more stuff there. And then you really get nothing from them except for some mention in sword and some mention in way of X and then coming back in. It's like, Oh yeah. Hey, they're supposed to be a big, big threat in the background. Yeah. I would say Inferno kind of stepped them up for me and, mm-hmm. and stepped up 
the machines yeah. uh, for me. But yeah. Yeah, the Inferno definitely it, it it came forth a little bit more, but I still am not for some reason the heart of me caring about that villain and their like their villainy, I guess, hasn't hit me with full impact yet. It, it hasn't made me really feel like I'm like oh this is something we should really really care about. The Nimrod part, kind of. The rest of it has been very. Just kind of like, all right, yeah, they're 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 out there by the sun. They're you know they're probably pretty hot. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they're building weird shit. Yeah, something yeah. will happen eventually. Yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, is that that issue of X Men coming up? I think it's nine, might be eight, but the cover of it with like the the mm. the Council of Orcus sitting in the Quiet Council chamber. I'm just excited about that. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, the uh, the new. The relaunch with uh, Jerry has been interesting. I will say, you know, number three was like a fill-in issue with the Nightmare and the Headless Horseman thing. And I was just, or four, four. And I was just like, How do you people remember these things? The numbers. (laughs) Is that like something that just is going to happen to me one day as a comic fan? It will just play. Oh, yeah. Issue numbers. Because I don't know them. (laughs) It will happen, Alicia. I read them multiple times. Yeah, that, that. I listen to our episodes when I edit them, and I talk about them a lot. So when I have to <laughs> reference like this story from this arc, like I could tell you, I'm pretty sure it was issue 15 where Kate and Emma and Storm take on Shaw. I think that's right. That sounds right. I I can I, check it on my phone. <laughs> um, so that's that's all the ongoing titles. Um, the new the new lineup looks interesting, looks promising. I'll, I'll read them all too. Um, uh, I did want to talk about the a couple mini series. Was it fifteen? Sixteen. Sixteen. Okay. Uh, the couple mini series that happened that were arguably supposed to be ongoing and just fell flat. Um, Fallen Angels, uh, Way of X, Children of the Atom, and X Corp. Um, so let's rank those uh, again, starting at number four to number one. Uh, Alicia, you can go first to get you left. <laughs> go. Okay. I, I would. I, Number four is X Corp. Okay. Number three is Children of the Atom. Okay. Number two is Fallen Angels, and number one is Way of X. All right, Justin. I'm pretty sure I'm the exact same. Uh, uh, I have I have Fallen Angels and Children of the Atom switched, but in my mind, I, I went back and forth with that. Just but let's talk about it. So uh, X Corp, yeah, number four for me, Children, uh, Children of the Atom, number three, Way of X, number two, and Fallen Angels was number one. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, this was a very difficult list because all of these were very bad, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> so uh, I think Way of X went to number two because I was more disappointed than I was mm. with Fallen Angels. Fallen Angels, my expectations were very low. It also had like a start and a finish. Uh, and like, mm-hmm. I kind of got what they were going for way of X. I had high expectations and I felt like it was just completely just, yeah, uh, yeah. I could be convinced to swap my order and put fallen angels as number one. And yeah. And I this could. is, this is not to say fallen angels was, I, I've, I've not reread it or anything. <laughs> just, it was a story. Yes. Yeah. It was a cohesive it, story that happened. It fueled some threads and hellions, and that was, and the art was kind of visually interesting. Yeah, and I think it was important to give yeah. that backstory and and to give some character space for Kanan to have some identity of her own. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
I wonder if that, if Hellions was born because Fallen Angels didn't make it, you know, like so, if Fallen Angels was supposed to be the ongoing series and Hellions took its place because they're, you know, or. So uh, the, the writer of Fallen Angels actually got other work and was, had been in and been trying to be working, I think in film and that came up and I don't think it was actually, I'm pretty sure some things in Fallen Angels, you can already see as if you're reading it together that the characters are going off in their own directions. Mm. Wolverine or Laura is going off to the vault in issue five. So before the title even ends, Cable has his own uh, solo series going off. And then Conan stepping up to lead as Psylocke of Hellions. Yeah. The, the book Hellions, I read, Zeb actually pitched it. And the office was like, wait, what? No, like, get out. Oh, okay. All right. All right. You can have it. And thank goodness he did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Um, but man, these, these miniseries, Children of the Atom, which I, I don't, I didn't, never got this confirmed. I heard that originally they had it slated for a, a 12 issue arc at least, and they cut it halfway because it just was selling so poorly. Um, it didn't go anywhere. It didn't, yeah. yeah, it didn't go anywhere and had really no effect on the X universe. I mean, I didn't know why it was necessary or what was going on. Uh, X Corp was just like, Garbage. oh my God, just, I mean, yeah, just corporate boardroom, you know, jargon. Like, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. It was honestly like torturous when we would be like, okay, well, we're doing an episode about the new issues, so I have to read X Corp. Like, <laughs> and not only you have to read it, but we have to talk about it and not just shit on it for yeah. 30 minutes and then find like okay well i like the madrox story and monet's here and that's cool yeah beyond that like the art wasn't even great it was i i actually think i only read the first issue and most of the second issue and then i was like i bought the other ones just because i'm that obsessive but i don't i never read them i'm just like i don't I don't give a shit. I'm okay. not going to, yeah. You didn't miss anything. Yeah. You're fine. <laughs> they, yeah. At the end of it, they assembled the board of the company, like, which arguably should have been done before the title started. That was the whole point of the series to make a board. Hey. A board which we're no longer going to talk about because it's over. I'm getting yeah. upset just thinking about it. <laughs> if there's one thing we learned from Star Wars 2 Attack of the Clones is that fanboys love bureaucracy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 let's let's have more of that uh oh god yeah they were all pretty pretty bad so um how about uh moving forward with the new titles what are you looking forward to the the most x-men red x-men red immortal x-men and x-men red are definitely at the top of my list I, i'm actually really excited about a lot of the things a lot of the energy coming out of the titles that are continuing mm -hmm. the the story that's being teased up of New Mutants with Ilyana versus Madeline Pryor and control over Limbo and the, mm -hmm. the demon space, I feel like is really interesting. Uh, I, I'd say I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm like excited about all of them, I, but I, at the top, it's definitely Immortal X-Men because that's a title that I've been asking for since the start. And I feel like I love the, the council chamber interactions and just yeah. what I've read and, and knowing Kieran Gillen and, and X-Men Red just because I love Sword and I really like Arako as a, a focal point. Yeah. Alicia, same? Yes, same. I just want to see, I'm, I'm really interested to see what's going on with 
Magneto and what happens with the council and what's going on in Immortal X-Men. And I'm hoping that sort of the the lives of and deaths of Wolverine and, and all of that will kind of give us a jumping off point to get into that. And then X-Men Red is just, it's like another layer. It's what Justin was talking about with S.W.O.R.D. It's like the next level. And I yeah. just need to see, sto- like, I need my Storm book. I need her. <laughs> and then- and then it feels like that's what it's focusing in on. Yeah. It yeah. just sword was all over the place, and I liked that. But this feels like, hey, we've got enough to just run with. And and Ewing has said in interviews that he's not gonna he's not gonna make this tie in crazy. He's not gonna make you buy a buy an issue that is actually a tie in to another event unless there's a big old X on the front. Yeah. Of it. And that won't come until a little while. So this yeah. feels like a really good place to build the lore of Arako and mm-hmm. and a storm story that I'm really excited about. And I then, did, you know, of course, of course, Marauders. Of course. Yeah, Marauders, of course. Well, uh, yeah, bring it back for Marauders is coming back strong. Uh, X-Men Red does sound interesting with the idea of, yeah, building Arako and that kind of, uh, I, I guess, like cosmic X-Men, like what that could bring. Um, yeah. I will say I'm, I'm, and this is probably my B-list uh, love coming out. I've, I'm, I'm excited for secret X-Men. I feel oh, like yeah. Secret X Men could ha- could be like uh this the sleeper fun book. Yeah. Well that's just a one shot though. Is it just a one shot? I thought they were I thought that was ongoing, they said. Maybe not. Um, Maybe not. No, I, I'm pretty sure it's just a one shot. But... Oh bummer, man. I thought that was I thought I thought I All heard right. somewhere that was <laughs> But you'll still get it. Oh well, I'm still gonna read it. So um <laughs> the uh Reign of X, Knights of X, I don't know what to think yet. Those are so those seem a little ambiguous. So, yeah. Yeah. And then Legion of X, the kind of second season of Way of X. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, hopefully that uh, pans out better than Way of X. Way of X had some ideas that went nowhere. So, yeah. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, um, uh, but. They're all going to happen, and we're going to have lots to read. So, um, yeah, we're going to read them all. <laughs> um, so, guys, uh, before we get out of here for the week, uh, we've we've I think we've we've covered it all. We've been here for almost two hours, and I got to piss real bad. Um, <laughs> uh, tell people uh, what's coming up for your show again, where they can find it, how they can find you, follow you guys, and everything. Justin, what's coming up? Well, so we we read and we talk about the issues as they come out. So every Wednesday we are, I'm at the comic shop picking up those new issues. And then we have an episode breaking them down, asking questions, theorizing, coming out that Friday. So if you are a can't wait, got to have my books, got to tear through them, X-Men at the top of the pile, we're the pod for you. And if, you know, if you read them a couple days later, we're still there. Yeah, We're still still there. there. We still got that insight. Just listen to everything Uh, a week late. Right, right. Uh, actually, honestly, we've had tons of downloads for our, our classic episodes, especially the House of X episodes that we started with. House of X number one is still one of our top ten of the month. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So people are still finding us. They're still finding their way in. If if you're interested in Krakoa, that's what we talk about primarily. And then I dive into some classic episodes and, and still retain the the – idea of our initial set out where Alicia's not reading it. She doesn't know what's going on, but we do. And I might take a little bit more time to get there. I've set up Inferno. We had yeah. these two episodes where one was road to Inferno, Madeline Pryor, just talking about kind of her arc through her introduction, 
her becoming a part of the team and her descent into the Goblin Queen. Yeah. And then a second episode talking about Road to Inferno, Ilyana Rasputin, and just similarly, just where she came from. We had we had talked about her initial appearance that that four issue miniseries way back earlier, when yeah. earlier, and then just kind of tying that together. It's always been the arc in my mind of the season that we're in is just building the season that started with the Phoenix saga, the dark Phoenix saga, and then grew into the retcon of Jean Grey's death. And, <laughs> um, yeah. The- and if you want to know more about us, you can find us all over the internet at the ex-wife podcast, which is T H E X W I F E as in X-Men, not former wife <laughs> uh, all right and on instagram at uh, ex-wife podcast also is that right yes oh, yeah. yes yeah. instagram twitter facebook Everything. and then the ex-wife podcast.com all right well guys go check them out give them a follow a new episodes every uh, friday like they said uh read along follow along listen along and uh get your uh, daily dose of or weekly dose of breaking down uh those excellent books and uh catch up on the past stuff and all the new stuff that's coming uh, all right, guys. Uh, well, we are going to get out of here for this week. Uh, as for me, go to decomedy.com. Check out everything going on on the calendar. I'm going to be on tour for the next two months, so we have lots of dates across the country. Uh, hit the website. I'm probably going to be in a town near you. Uh, tickets are available uh, now for shows in Texas. Those are going fast, so get those while you can, and then I will be over on the East Coast, guys. So come check out a show. Uh, that's it Uh, for the social hour guys Ivan Deese and for Alicia and Justin and the XY podcast thank you very much guys Uh, thank you you always a pleasure absolutely and uh, we will see you all next week